Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show sponsored by 888 Sport. I am your host, George Ellick, and this is day two of the Cheltenham Festival preview, the Wednesday of the festival, and I'm joined by two expert guests, Andy Holding and Rory Delaghi, who'll be sharing their expert insights and tips with us throughout the show. But before we hear from them, we're very lucky to be able to call on 888 Sport ambassador, former jockey and Cheltenham legend Barry Geraghty, and Andy and I spoke to him a bit earlier. Yeah, and before we get into our Wednesday preview, delighted as ever to be joined by 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. And Barry, it's, it's the Wednesday of Cheltenham Festival. It's Champion Chase Day. And I'm not going to be talking to you here on this podcast and not talk to you about Sprinter Sacra and that Champion Chase back in 2013. I mean, one of the most exhilarating performances we've seen. How was that day and what are your memories of it? Oh, it was brilliant. Um... You know, obviously, he went into the race with, with high hopes. So he was meeting size in Europe, um, who was a high-class winner of the race before. Um, we went a really good gallop. But for me, it was all about just getting Sprinter relaxed, having him relaxed, close to the race. And once you could get him switched off early, you knew that his finishing kick was was going to be serious. Um, but he was brilliant through the race. He travelled, he pinged fences. I remember the last ditch, actually, I gave him a little bit of a squeeze, a bit like Harry Cobden did on, on Brave Man's Game in Newbury a few weeks ago. And he stuck in a short one. But... Uh, he was electric after that. I went to the last one. I could see about five or six strides and I'm a, a mad long stride and I said, go on, let's go for rollers. And uh, he flew the last up the hill. I think he won 20 lengths. It was a massive performance, but it was, that's how good he was. he was. He was just such a classy performer. Yeah, from one superstar to possibly another, we have Shishkin as the four to six favourite for the champion chase this time around. In your mind, if he goes and, and wins this or wins it well, are we starting to look at one of the modern-day greats in the game? It has the potential, and it looks a really strong race as well, which is how you get a real champion. He has to stand out in good company. Um, so, no, I think he can be. He's probably a little bit more relaxed than um, Sprinter Sacra. He's more in the Altia mould, which is a very good mould. Um, so I, he's a worthy favourite, but I think it is It is a good race. And there's there's questions to be answered too. Um, an argument, I suppose, got put in his place in... Uh, in Ascot and Shishkin is probably better going left-handed than he is going right-handed. So you could argue there's improvement in Shishkin there. I'm sure they can write an argument slightly differently, but I don't think it's enough to reverse it. And um, there is a bit of chat that Paul Tennant will possibly go with Shaq and Pursois. Willie has obviously taken a different approach to training him. He ran very flat last season in the champion chase. Um, he said he's leaving him a piece of work short, which he did in Leperson last time. He disappointed the Tingle Creek, so it's two runs in England. He has disappointed on both occasions, but he had a hamstring issue in the Tingle Creek, so I think he can draw a line through that. But just with the word and the vibes on Shaq and Pursois, he actually he beat Alaho and Nuba Negra. He destroyed them and punches and haven't disappointed at Cheltenham. So he is a high-class horse, um, and there is still potential there for him to give Shishkin something to worry about. So a little bit like appreciation in the champion hurdle versus... Uh, honeysuckle, there might be a little bit of value in taking on Shishkin with uh, Shakhan Pursuayfil. Yeah, I'm obviously a big fan like you are, Barry, both Shishkin and Ergamin. Um, that was a hell of a race at Ascot. But because it was such a bruising encounter on soft ground at a track that um, you know does take plenty of getting, um, is there a danger that either one of those two horses, you know, could have easily just bottomed themselves, similar to like a surname uh, against Altior many years ago. I mean, obviously we'll only find out in the day, but would that, would that, be, would that be playing on your mind going out there if you were riding in one of those two? Well, I suppose the, the surname Altior clash was first run of the season. So a tough race first run, it can be harder to get over. And it was for both of those. That was a grueler. So the Ascot race was a really tough race. But for me, an argument had a tougher time than Shishkin. Shishkin hit the line. He had a bit, I won't say he had a bit in hand, but he could have galloped away for another little bit if need be, where I think an argument had the white flag up. He was he was happy to, to see the line. So, But I would imagine both horses have had plenty of time to recover from then. And it was, it wasn't the first run of the season. So that, that, it does count for a lot. And obviously, Nicky had, du- had ducked the Tingle Creek, which would have been his first run. And he was proved right when the horse had a dirty scope afterwards. So all these things add up. And that's what trainers are trying to, you know, find find the, the, the right place to start with your horse in the right place. Um, so I wouldn't be concerned with, with a mid-season race like that, especially over that trip, where if you go over further, 
it would maybe take more out of other horses or if you were closer to the festival itself it would be more of a concern but I, I'd be happy enough personally with um, how both should have come out of that and both have been schooling and have been seen out since there's no issues reported. You mentioned there that there might be some value siding well backing one of the horses against Shishkin if you were to choose your your ride if you were to come back back on the saddle and choose a ride here would you still take the favourite? I think it has to it'll be hard not to um, you know, I, 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 Persois, he has a chance. I think there's value in him, posing, but no, is uh, you'd have to go with, with uh, Shishkin. He's so good on Cheltenham. He's great form there. He's proven, as I mentioned, Shaqan Persois still has a bit to prove in England. Um, but he's it's competitive. It's more competitive maybe than the market suggests. But I do believe Shishkin is a worthy favourite. He's the one you'd want to be on. Um, but Shaqan Persois might just have unfinished business. Those of us who, you know, have never ridden a horse, let alone ridden a horse at the Cheltenham Festival, you know, Andy and I will sit around WhatsApping each other or sitting in a pub saying, you know, it doesn't get up the hill, he hates Cheltenham, all this stuff. As somebody who actually knows what it takes for a horse to, to be successful at the Cheltenham Festival and at Cheltenham Racecourse generally, what are the reasons you can think of as to why a horse like Chacon Poursois, whose quality is proven and is clearly evident to anybody who's watched him race over in Ireland, why he maybe wouldn't travel so well, uh, either you know, at Cheltenham itself or, or just travelling over the Irish Sea? Yeah, so Shacklin last year, he didn't, you talk about getting up the hill in Cheltenham, he didn't get up the first hill as he faced the fourth last. He wasn't in Paul Townend's hands the way he should have been, coming down the hill over three out. He was giving him a squeeze rather than taking him back, which you would have expected. And so he underperformed that day, probably to somewhere like 80%, I would have felt. And it wasn't a, a vintage renewal last season. Um, but I think uh, we got our answer when Willie said he left him with Gallop Short going to Leopardstown um, recently. So he's a horse who's probably a little bit better fresh. The travel over to England last season, um, he just took the edge off him, I'd imagine. So he's going to leave him short. He'll go there fresh. Willie Mullins knows how to train horse, as does any of the top-class trainers. So I think that is where the you know, where the improvement's going to be got from last season. And you can draw a line through his Tingle Creek run because it was reported straight away that he had a hamstring issue on the day. He didn't jump with his normal fluency. He was a little bit lacklustre in the championships last year, but he did jump okay. Whereas in the Tingle Creek, he wasn't jumping, he wasn't going. So um, his performances this season in Ireland have been really good, but his performance last season in Punchestown haven't disappointed at Cheltenham. When he beat Alaho and Nube Negra, he destroyed them. Um, so he's, he is a proven high-class performer. And uh, you'd have to, you have to give him a squeak anyway. Hypothetical question here, Barry. With regard to Chacon would it be more be beneficial for him to perhaps run on the, on the new course, if, if, the, if the champion chase was ever run on the new course, rather than that, the tight inner, inner track of the, of the old course? Do you think that might have some kind of bearing on him? But possibly, but um, I think you just have to, you know, you trust Willie Mullins and you just have to forget about last year because he, you know, on reflection, he felt he, he prepared the horse. You know, he, he didn't, his preparation wasn't ideal, how he went about it, where this year he's gone about it differently. So it's going to be really interesting to see the outcome of that. Um, I don't think the course affected him as much as his, uh, his training programme on the run-up to it. Talking about a horse there who hasn't performed at Cheltenham to one who, who comes alive at Cheltenham. Uh, one of my highlights of, of last year's Cheltenham Festival, although sadly not being there, was seeing Tiger Roll return to some form. You know, one of the most popular horses in training came into last year's festival of form figures uh, of, was it six, pulled up six and then goes and puts in that performance, comes here off the back of finishing fourth in the entry bowl, being pulled up at entry uh, in December and then 14 of 17 beating 31 lengths uh, in January. Not many horses, not many races where he would still come to the festival, seven or four favourite. What do you make of Tiger Earl's chances? Yeah, I'd imagine the, the ground is the key to him. The better the ground, the better for him. Um, and he, like he, he absolutely threw his form book out the window last year when he destroyed the field on the back of so many average and poor runs. Um, he does come alive here. You, you hear about horses, Manila Indo in particular, horses that love Cheltenham, springtime, sun on the back, all those things, they all add up. Um, Tiger Roll's a bit of a character too, so you'll find those longer days, a bit more sunshine, a bit more heat, might just lift his mood and his form. He trains better, he performs better, so he is the one to beat um, on better ground, but um, 
I was with Gordon at the weekend and he's sweet on Dell to work if the ground was on the slow side. So he might have this race, both angles covered. Andy, what do you make of, I mean, we'll talk about this shortly with Rory in our preview. What do you make of, of Tiger Roll at 7-4 this time around? I think it was just very significant last year, having watched Tiger Roll's previous runs when he was dropped out the back, that they lined him up at the front in last year's cross-country. I remember looking at the start thinking, oh, they really do mean business here. All of a sudden, they got him motivated. You know, he got to the front and he puffed his chest out. And from the word go, he got into a brilliant rhythm. And I think it was a long, long way out. I was thinking, Tiger Roll's got this. And I think you'll probably see the same kind of tactic again. I think they'll rev him up down the start, make sure that he's got no possibility of going to sleep, dropping the bridle, racing lazily. They'll kick him, you know, kick him out into into the first and, and really, you know, get him stoked up. So I think if they do exactly the same again, the result could easily be the same. You would absolutely love to be there. It was a great moment when you're there on the Wednesday, running across the track over to go and see Tiger Roll in the middle on the cross-country course. Uh, Barry, before we let you go, uh, what would be your your one, your nap, your best bet on, on Wednesday's card? So it, at this stage, the, the Ballymore it was, is, is uh, up in the air, but if Sir Gerhard lines up here, I don't see him come off the bridle. Um, I think he's different class. It's, if you compare the Supreme to the Ballymore, the Supreme looks have more depth than the Ballymore, and no, Sir Gerhard's a standout if he goes there for me. Barry, we'll find out your thoughts. Uh, we're not going to ask you now. We'll find out your thoughts in a couple of minutes when we're speaking to Rory on the Ballymore. So Gerhard looking likely at this stage. So we're recording this on Thursday morning to be headed there, but we'll soon find out. Always a difficult game, second-guessing Willie, uh, as everyone tries to do at this time of year. Uh, Barry, will be speaking to you. We spoke to you on our Tuesday preview. We'll be speaking to you on our Thursday and Friday as well. So do check that out. But thank you very much for taking the time to join us. 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity. Always great to catch up with 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. I'm going to miss our chats about Cheltenham after the festival is over. But before I get to chat to Andy and Rory about that, just going to remind you of uh, the fact that Odds Checker is the very best tip you can get for this year's Cheltenham Festival. It's under a week away now, and if you're having a bet, you'll get the most out of it by using Odds Checker. Compare odds and find the best special offers for every single race. Now then, time to turn our attention to the Wednesday, day two of racing. We've already recorded Tuesday, so do go back and look at that. We'll be recording Thursday and Friday after this as well, so do check the Odds Checker YouTube page and any podcast platform to find them there. But time now to look at the Ballymore. And we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Uh, the five-day decks are in a couple of horses uh, have been scratched from the races, although, as is always the case, most of them are being left in just to keep trainers and owners' options open. But at the time of recording, we have Sagarhard at the top of the Ballymore market, the first race of the day on Wednesday. Sagarhard is even money. Dysart Dynamo, 9-4. to four. I think we can pretty confidently say that if Sagarhard runs, Dysart Dynamo will not. Uh, Ginto, 9-2. to two. Another horse at the moment looks like uh, he'll be running the Albert Bartlett rather than the Ballymore. So Sagarhard, even money likely to run. Journey with me, probably the next likely runner at 11-2. to two. Stage Star 13 to 2, Kilcrute unlikely to run here 12 to 1, Three Stripe Life 12 to 1, uh, State Man 12 to 1, Classic Getaway 16 to 1. Andy, I'll start with you here. It's, it's pretty hard to get a grasp on what does and doesn't run here, apart from the fact that I think we'd be fairly sure that if Sagarhard runs, um, then Sagarhard probably won't be any bigger than that even money. Well, the adage there's no smoke without fire really does apply to this here, doesn't it? Um, in the last few hours really, more than 24 hours. Um, all the money's come for Sir Gerhard. Um, he's sure significant for, for this race. Whether the word on the grapevine that he has been, this race has been nominated as his uh, chosen objective. Um, we'll, we'll soon find out in the, in the, in the, in the nearest of time. Um, I, I think he'll probably run here, but as I said in the other preview, more process elimination run than anything else. I think, you know, sets of connections, you know, um, Obviously, the trainer, the, the, the jockeys who ride these horses in work, their, their run styles suggest that they probably think it's going to be difficult to try and stretch out Dysart Dynamo over two and a half miles. Kilcrook looked really good when they rode him aggressively over two miles last time out. Again, with him, you know, it looks like they'll want to go down the two mile route with him and ride him aggressively over that. Um, so, Willie Mullins, is, who's got three leading chances in the Supreme, does he really need another string to his bow? He's then got to look at it. Which one of these three horses is more going to be more suitable to running in the longer race 
and have just as good a chance as winning. Mm. And I, f I think the fact that Sir Gerhard has come out of a point-to-point, -point, uh, we beat Manila Drama, didn't he? 12 lengths in his point-to-point, -point, um, his first ever, ever, ever run. That would give them a little bit more hope anyway that he's, he's more likely to get the trip than the other two. It's not in tablets of stone that he'll definitely stay, but that, that's, I can see what that th the thinking behind it is. Uh, whether he's an even money shot, again, he's open to question because you know there's a, there's a good bit of depth in this race as well. But look, his time figure at uh, Leopardstown and the way he won, the fact that all, a lot of those horses were strung out in behind him, your three-stripe lights, your, your Colonel Mustard, your Farouk, your Statue. I mean, Statue won, won the Royal Bond early on the season. She was absolutely tailed off. So it just shows you what performance Sir Gerhard did that day. And, and again, if you compare his run to Honeysuckle, and I do a lot of that, putting the two races up on split screen and letting them go for the final circuit so you can get an impression of how the race panned out. Sir Gerhard was quicker than Honeysuckle all the way around on that last circuit. If he can maintain that gallop over two and a half miles, then he's going to be very difficult to catch. Yes, his jumping could be tidied up. You could make an argument he's got to jump more hurdles in the Ballymore, so he might make more mistakes, although you could say if they're going a bit slower than... He might not. His jumping might not be put on so, so much pressure. On the other hand, he jumped brilliantly on his debut, so we know that he, he can jump really yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah. The interesting thing I thought about that um, the Leopardstown race was they they had a bypass a hurdle because of the low sun. Yeah. So they they had them all lining up to race, and then they stopped them, and you had a sort of six or seven minute delay mm. before they were sent on the way. I just thought that upset him, and he he was he was not concentrating. He was looking at the camera car on the way round. Uh, they also had quite quite blustery wind there as well. I think there was plenty of things that might just have put him off in the first half of that race. He gathered himself up very well in the second half and was, was, uh, was much better. And again, you know, the one thing you'd, you'd criticise him about on debut was he was only winning a maiden hurdle and doing it as he liked, so he didn't know what the depth of the form was, but he, he proved that at Leopardstown um, uh, second time. So I thought I'm, I'm inclined to, um, to look positively about his jumping and say, you know, given a lead, um, he, he, looks, um, he looks a very slick jumper. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, personally. He was about 10 lengths quicker than Honeysuckle in that, in that um, Dublin Racing Festival meeting. Um, but as Roy said, he had to go wide round the second last to bypass it. So he went, he's actually covered even more ground uh, and still run you know, huge over a proper good, gen uh, genuine grade one there. So yeah, he's, he's very, very good. I, I took the view out of that race that connections of three-strike life ought to be thinking about the Ballymore, because I thought, well, Everyone's saying Sir Gerard should go for the Supreme and Tom Segal tipped him. They're trying to convince uh, uh, Willie Mullins to, to run him in the two miles, but I think he stood firm and, and um, decided to go Sir Gerhard here. But it definitely brings three-stripe life into the bet-without-the-favourite um, category because I think wherever Sir Gerhard finishes, you'd like to think that Gordon Elliott's charge would be somewhere close. Yeah. Um, and who's to say that he won't improve for stepping up? He looks like he will. Um, He's just been a very consistent horse throughout his life. He was fourth behind to Gerard in last year's bumper, so he's got Charlton Festival experience. I think he was a bit unlucky not to beat Mighty Potter in the Grade One previously at the Christmas meeting. He, he headbutted the second last, didn't he, when he was in contention? He did really well to end up running on to finish second. So, um, you know, there's there's a there's another form line to suggest he's got to go well. But whichever way you strip it down, once this field gets watered down, and you're probably only left with like eight or ten runners, three-stripe life all of a sudden, 12 to 1, doesn't look a bad bit of each way business, does it? He's another one I'm definitely going to be sticking into some each way multiples. Non-runner no bet, in the hope that he doesn't run in the first, because now Gordon Elliott's saying that Ginto's going in the other. I mean, G G Gordon Elliott hasn't got another runner I'm, in this, has he? I'm pressing up the Supreme as we speak. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, he hasn't got another runner. No, he hasn't. This is, this is his only other runner. Uh, well, he's the only runner in this. So... Makes sense that he'll he'll go here. Um, Gordon under like a runner in every race. Yeah. Um, and the other one to mention, just very briefly, is also I tipped. I've, I've had a bit of a disaster on, on my anti-post tips. For, I've only, funny enough, I've only tipped in two races this year. I've been very quiet. But one of the horses I put up was What Do You Want, mm. who was fa favourite or nearly favourite to win the Lawlers of Nace, but he got a horrendous ride by Darrow O'Keefe that day. I don't really know why they why they used Darrow that day. Um, I think Danny Mullins have been riding him previously, yeah. but anyway, I think he, he must be connected to the owner or something like that. But um, I mean, he still looked as though he was going to win going out at the last, but that effort to get there, even got caught up in a schmozzle off the home turn and took his toll. I put him up at 25 to 1. He's still 25 to 1 now, but apparently he had an away day the other day, did a good bit of work at Leopardstown, and he went amazingly well, apparently. Um, 
And if he's back to the kind of form that saw him won that Navin Maiden easily, and you forgive him his last run, he's, he's another one with a chance. Of course, the sponsors um, own this horse, and they, they, won it be, they won it before with um, the thing of Martin Brazzles, City Island. City Island. Yeah, yeah. That was my thinking by putting this horse up. I thought Willie Mullins, you know, if he wins the Lawler's an ace, I'll, you know, I'll stick a 25 to 1 to be. I'm looking at 4 to 1 favourite here. Yeah. Fortunately, it didn't work out, but. It, Interestingly, it, his best performance came on good soft ground. Yeah. 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 He, just, he, he just floundered in that ground and, and he, he, he had wheel spin and oh, everything that could have gone wrong. I was fuming after that race because he got a shocking ride. Um, but he's a very good horse, he is, and I, I think if he runs, he's he's definitely the second string, but he's no forlorn hope. Yeah. What do we, what do we, ha, what do you want? What do you want? 25 to 1. You, you'd, um, put it, you'd put him down as normal certain runner, wouldn't you? Given connections? So, yeah. Ap, what, yeah. yeah. Why would they not run him? Yeah. He's, it's the only horse they've So he might be one of those that you want to back all in rather than yeah, the yeah. non-runner yeah. bet. Yeah. yeah. And then you get 33s. Um, three sharp life, twelve to one, as it is uh, at the moment. Um, Roy, do you have anything to to try and to back each way beyond three sharp life? And well, yeah, as I, as I said, I've, I've backed three sharp life in the in the supreme because Gordon seemed pretty adamant he was going to go there. But neither he's moved Ginto up to the um, uh, to the Albert Barker. That does leave a gap. So you know, maybe people are putting two and two together and getting five. Um, but it does seem an obvious move that he would he would go here. But um, as I said. Uh, I've always found Gordon to be to be pretty straight when he's talking about targets for his horses and, and um, uh, issues and uh, you know what he thinks of them. And he he was adamant that Three Strap Life would run in the Supreme. So I, I've you know so I've, I've been happy to back him at a massive price for that. But yeah, he's listen. There's not much depth in this compared to the Supreme. Um, there there are some there are some very nice horses entered in it, but who's going to run in the end? You're going to have an odds-on favourite. And the shape of Sir Gerhard, uh, assuming he runs, and therefore, you know, there is there is scope. And the point that Addy's made it as well, that race at Leopardstown, um, that um, the Sir Gerhard one was the best novice hurdle run this season um, by miles. Uh, we had to mention uh, my mate Mozzie was beaten um, 50 lengths <laughs> as well. You know, so you, so you have you, you've got some very good horses absolutely tailed off in that race, with no real indication that they that they didn't really run the race. They were just left. They were just sort of cut off at halfway because the pace was very strong and they couldn't get back into it again. So I think that's really strong and I, that's why I think I said afterwards I would back up the first three home in that race wherever they go next and that's exactly what I've done. I've backed um, uh, Sir Gerhardt, um, I've backed Three Stripe Life at big prices for the, for the Supreme, I will, I will have a saver here as well and of course I've backed Colonel Mustard um, in the county hurdle because you know if you take a strong view on a race yeah. and you think it's very strong then you've, you've got to, you know, you've got that, the possibility of doing a sort of a, a an unrelated related contingency <laughs> uh, you can back the three of them in a uh, in a, in a well hopefully they run in three different races yeah. you can have a nice little tricksy there uh, and essentially your your value is if you're right in, in your in your view your value is multiplied rather than rather than diminished absolutely uh, on then to the second race the formerly rsa chase the brown advisory novice chase and we've got well Galapanda Shop to Shomp is uh, is the ten to eleven favourite, but unless we're going to have a one runner Turners, I think that's unlikely uh, to be taken up. So Brave Man's Game, for all intents and purposes, is the favourite at fifteen to eight, ahead of Lom Presse at four to one, Ahoy Senor five to one, Capo Dano seven to one, three hundred through five twelve to one, Fury Road, uh, Run Wild Fred, Statler all fourteen to one, Dusart sixteens, and bigger. Um, Rory will come to you here. It feels like you know. When we do the Turners preview on Thursday, a lot of these horses have, have entries for both, and the majority of them, it looks like, will be turning up here. Uh, yes, um, I've, I've got a pretty strong view in this race. I think Ahoy Senor is a, is a, a really solid bet, um, mainly because I've just taken a long-term view that he's, that he's a, a better prospect down the line than Brave Man's Game. Brave Man's Game is a better horse at the moment. Um, but what we've seen of Brave Man's Game, both over, over hurdles and over fences, is that he immediately shows you what you can do. You know, his, his, you know, within a second start over hurdles, he was showing very high class form, and he was running very, very close to that form all season last year as a novice. Um, and it's only when he when he uh, ran into horses of the class of Bob Ollinger that he was found out. But of course, he was beaten by a horse in Europe at Aintree. The line um, generally after that was that he was over the top for the season. But if you look at the the numbers. Look at the speed figures he produced. He ran to form at the entry. He was just beaten by an exceptional horse on the day. And um, people haven't, because he was a big price, a horse in Europe, and because he's had a slightly up and down season um, thus far, we've kind of forgotten that he definitely beat Brave Man's Game on merit. 
uh, at Aintree. Maybe Aintree is the kind of course that he needs. Maybe he needs a big flat track, um, you know, a real galloping track like that with long straights because he wasn't particularly happy at, uh, at Kempton when he was beaten by Brave Man's Game. Uh, and if he met Brave Man's Game, you know, in similar circumstances um, away from Cheltenham, uh, you'd probably fancy Brave Man's Game, you know, to, to do that again because he's polished, he's reliable, he keeps going out and, and doing it. Whereas Ahoy Senor has given the impression a couple of times that he's got an absolutely monstrous performance in him. Um, and that performance at injury last year is right up there. That was just a second start, after all. Um, and he tore a field apart. I've watched that race again. And um, I'm, I tend to be quite wary of entry form because you can get the, you can, the tables can be turned at entry after a long season. Horses aren't at the best after Cheltenham. Um, but I've looked at that race multiple times and he's just really impressive. Everything he does in that race is perfect. His jumping's really good. Um, his attitude is really good and he just gallops his rivals into the ground. He hasn't quite managed to, to do that over fences, but he's hinted twice that he is very much capable of doing that. He was really impressive at Newbury despite making two bad, two bad mistakes. Um, and again, at Kempton, he just, he just couldn't find a rhythm on a track that didn't suit him. Um, the fences were just coming up a little bit too quick. He was getting into the bottom a little bit. He therefore wasn't able to use it. He's got a tremendous stride when he can use it, but he wasn't ever able to use it at Kempton, so he couldn't get clear of Brave Man's Game. Brave Man's Game's got a better turn of foot at the end of it, and that was that, really. Um, back to form at so Weatherby last time. A lot of people crammed that performance because he jumped a bit to his right in the early stages. It didn't bother me at all. I don't mind. If a, if a horse is not taking a cut of defence and then going out either left or right, that's a worry. But a horse is going forward and just correcting a little bit, particularly where, as the race wears on, they get straighter and straighter. I'm perfectly happy with that, and he was pretty. He was he was very straight late in the race, and he again he galloped his rivals into submission. There, it was that wasn't the strongest Grade Two you're ever going to see, um, but he did it in in uh, in nice style. Plenty of people were reasonably impressed with the uh, with one of the placed horses who changed hands for for massive money shortly afterwards. So it wasn't that bad a race, and I do think that if everything falls into place for him. Um, he's the he's the absolute class act in this race. Um, I I can see why a lot of people would, would prefer Brave Man's Game because you you absolutely know what you're getting every race with Brave Man's Game. But I still want to side with with um, what I think is the best horse in the race, and I'm I'm convinced he's the best horse in the race. He just needs to put it all together. Always, oh, Senor, the best horse in the race, five to one as it stands. Uh, Andy, do you agree? Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I probably think long term. Yeah, I, I, but they're both, both both very similar, aren't they? They've always looked as though that chasing was going to be their game. Yeah. Um, I think it's which one proves themselves to be best over 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 a certain trip. I think I think Brave Man's game is quite a speedy horse at the same time, whereas I've always seen you. I think he's more of a Gold Cup horse, isn't he? Do you think? I, I, was gonna, I, I think a hoist in yours. Uh, yeah, a hoist in yours is a gold cup horse. Yeah. Brave Man's Game strikes me as a Ryanair horse. Or, or even yeah. a King or George, a King George horse. horse. Yeah, yes. the fact that he's won yeah. round Kempton, he beat a hoist in yours around Kempton that day. Suggests that Kempton didn't really suit a hoist in yours. So back on a more galloping track, then you could see a hoist in your um, upholding the form of his Aintree win. Doesn't, yeah, I mean, the, I think he's the better jumper of the two as well, Brave Man's Game. I think he's very, very clever. I mean, he's. He, 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 he just really attacks his fences and he, he gives them plenty of respect. Um, so I think he's got an advantage on the jumping front, but whether he really, truly stays, is, is, I'm yet to be convinced with. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't. He was definitely outstayed at Aintree. He was outstayed at Aintree. Again, there was a notion that he was given too much to do that day, but again, if you watch the replay, he's mm. almost alongside at the second yeah. last, and um, the winner pars away from that point onwards. So he, he's definitely the stronger stayer. Whether this comes down to Stamina mm. is, of course, another matter. Yeah, but, small you know, field, yeah. you know, and all that. Um, and of course, he was he was outstayed, having an uncontested lead in last year's Ballymore. I was a bit disappointed by his effort because Bob Hollinger did more wrong than what he did, and yet he still got thrashed. Um, I think Lon Press is the, is the is the big danger here to, to these two. Um, looking at him, he, he looks as though he's crying out for further, doesn't he? I know he's been winning over two five, but um, you know, he, he won. He won hitting the line really strong here at the, at the Christmas meeting. And he beat you know, a reasonable field that day. There have been winners out of it all the way down the line. Fantastic using him as an example. Um, but again, he's jumping is so good. I mean, he's the only one out of these three that's been around here, which I think's got to be a massive advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the ground would be just about ideal for him on, on Wednesday, good to soft ground. 
Uh, but he's got he's got tactical speed and he's got a really good technique. And I think if he improves for going up in trip, then he might just have the measure that he's up the hill because he's got a really good change of pace. He, I mean, he's, once he's in top top cry, he's deadly. So four to one, I think he'll be. I think he'll be bustling those bustling up brave man's game sort of at the front end of the market come come Wednesday. I think it'd be five to two. Four to one now, best price. Mm, I, think I, do, I do, I genuinely think he's going to be the one who's going to shorten <coughs> dramatically in the build-up. I've always knew shortened. I mean, he's, he's been a uh, surprisingly big price for a long time because there, you know, there were various interviews with Lucinda Russell humming and hawing about where he was going, but it's been pretty obvious for a long time he's going to go for this race. Um, she was just making the sort of noises that, oh, you don't have to run at Cheltenham, we could miss Cheltenham altogether if we wanted to. And they entered him in the Gold Cup, but once they didn't run him in the Cotswold Chase, that was pretty much them saying, we're not going to run in the Gold Cup. But they never said that for a long time. They kept saying, oh, we might go in the Gold Cup. Mm. But if you're going to do that with a novice, you have to give them a chance um, outside of novice company first. So I was amazed that his price, you know, he, he's uh, looking at outright prices rather than normal or no bet. He was double figures for a long time. Mm. And now he's shortened up to, you know, if you... If you if you've liked him this season and you haven't backed him in the last few weeks, um, now is probably just the wrong time to be to be stepping in for the first time. Uh, as Andy says, there might be one or two moves there, but a Hoysenor probably probably stays roughly where he is, or maybe drifts half a point or a point. Um, it'd be interesting to see where Brave Man's game goes um, market-wise, because you could argue that he could be shorter, because you know people will make that comparison with Denman. He's actually rated higher. He's rated higher than higher now than Denman was when Denman won his first Hennessy, which is just, for me, just shows that the handicapping system doesn't work. Mm. There's, there's no way that Brave Man's game is a better horse than Denman. Um, but, it's, but it's perfectly okay to make the comparison because you, know, you do tend to look at handicap marks. But Denman got, Denman got a very ordinary figure for winning, for winning his, um, his RSA, which, he, which he, he wiped the floor with him. He absolutely mm. destroyed his field. He ends up getting surprisingly moderate handicap marks. As I said, lower than Brave Man's game has um, for, um, you know, for, for doing less, essentially. But that's just the way, the way the system works these days. Yeah, well, at the moment, Brave Man's game, the 15 to 8 favourite, but a couple to take him on with in Long Press for Andy at fours and Ahoy Senor at 5 to 1 for Rory. On then to the Coral Cup, uh, where we've got good risk at all. And State Man, uh, both a 7 to 1 favourite. Although... See, be yeah. Uh, the Shunter is a sea of blue, eight to one, suggesting that this could be one of the entry. Of, I think about five entries, um, but the Shunter could be going for the Coral Cup here at eight to one. The unexpe uh, unexpected party, nine to one. Drop the anchor, nine to one. Uh, Camperon, ten to one. Uh, Saint Felician, ten to one. Twelve to one. Gowell Road, Andy. Um, Gowell Road, a, a horse that you've given positive mentions for on this this. Uh, podcast over the course of the season. Mm. Are you looking to side with Guy Road again here? Yeah, I, I backed him a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I, I've always liked Gal Road. Um, he was a bit disappointed in last year's county hurdle, but probably in, in hindsight, he, he had a one too many runs, mate, really. Um, and he had, they put the cheek pieces on him that night, he just seemed to resent the cheek pieces. But since then, he, he's got a good body of work. He ran really well in the Silver Trophy, first time up, probably needed the run. Uh, and then he beat Unexpected Party. Uh, and this is the reason why I fancy this horse. That day when he won, he was by far and away the fastest horse on that last circuit. He absolutely was, you know, he flew around, he was rapid. And um, the Skeletons couldn't believe that they got beat with Unexpected Party. Um, and he subsequently proved that by winning um, very easily last time out. I think, I think he's... he's he got quite a bad ride at Cheltenham, didn't he? Yeah, he probably let... Comparatively speaking. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I, I, I think they rode him too overconfidently. Yeah, he came from fairway back, whereas uh, Gowell Road was always really handy and kicked on from the second yeah. last. That probably. But just on the weights and measures of that run, given what unexpected parties done, and um, Gowell Road you know, hasn't probably hit the heights as, as, uh, as, as the skeleton runner, he's actually much better off for beating him. Um, and he, he, he's back over the same course and distance. His last two runs over two miles, it crawled in the Jerry Field and with any four oh, runs, yeah, which yeah. didn't suit him. It just it was a waste of time. And then he ran really well against Metier the other day. But you watch how hard he tried that day against Metier. Metier was in his element yeah. on that ground that day, bottomless, boggy ground. And he, he was just a really tough enough to cut. But he carried 11 12, and he just never stopped trying. You watch him, he's absolutely busting the gut to try and win that race that day. He's got a m brilliant attitude. Um, 
Again, you look, you look back at his wins at Newbury last season where he really pulls it out the fire oh, both yeah, times. He's, he's, yeah. a, he's a proper trier. Yeah. And, and the yard's absolutely flying. We've, we've already discussed, you know, the Twist and Davis camp could not come in here in any better order. And him and sort of guard your dreams have been yo-yoing to and forward in, in sort of handicaps, um, you know, grade three races. They're, they're a similar kind of horse, but I think this fella's had this race in mind, whereas I think God Your Dreams might come here as an afterthought, having run in the, the, the race at Fontwell the other day. Um, but he's had four runs as well. It's one of the key stats is not to have any more than four runs. Um, and you also, it's another stat as well, you can't have too many runs over hurdles in your lifetime, which kind of puts me off, drop, drop the anchor a little bit. I think he's had 17 runs over yeah. hurdles. He's not the normal kind of winner of a race of this nature, even though he's been one of the anti-post gambles of the race. I'm, I'm really big. There's, there's some handicaps I'm really big on, and this is the one. I'm, I'm mad keen on Gower Road. Gower Road, 12 to 1, uh, pretty much across the board, including with our sponsors, 888 Sport, for this one. Uh, Rory, strong fancy from Andy there. Do you have a similarly strong yeah, view Yeah, as, as, as a, you might have guessed there, I, I'm, I've always been a, a fan of Gower Road as well. Um, just back everything, everything that Andy says up. This form stands um, close scrutiny, and he's got a wonderful attitude. Um, I liked um, Guard Your Dreams in this race when I looked at it in the first place. Um, and uh, it's interesting that Nigel is happy to um, uh, not to confirm uh, Guard Your Dreams and rely on Gowell Road. Um, that strikes me as a bit of a statement of intent. I'd like, I wouldn't want to see the ground get too fast for him, um, but at the same time, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't need it bottomless. He's just a trier. Um, so yeah, good at soft ground to be absolutely fine. There's plenty in here. I'm, I'm not mad on the shunter. You know, it, I know he was he was sort of a bit of a handicap plot last season th throughout the season. But yeah. you know, he, he kept winning those races. He's not been winning much recently, and the handicap has had a, has had a chance to probably reassess him. The other interesting thing is um, we're talking about trainers in and out of form. Emma Mullins had a winner the other day. It was his first winner since November. Wow. You know, and a lot of a lot of fancied horses from the yards, and maybe it's a sign he's coming back to form. But I'd be slightly worried. He's always been a high percentage yard, Emmett. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he went through, through a, a long period of, um, uh, of not getting any winners w would concern me. You'll also see, you'll see maybe four or five JP horses and handicaps um, getting punted over the next few days. There always seems to be a JP multiple. And I can't really see JP being the kind of guy who walks into a betting shop and says, I'll have a thousand pound Yankee, please. You can stop when you say, I don't really see JP walking to a betting <laughs> shop, I think. So the, yeah, but and I, I've, I've seen this before. There, there are always sort of um, four or five buzz horses that, that, are, that are backed in betting shops in multiples. And theoretically, it's a, there's, you know, they're always JP horses. And there's a theoretical connection. These are the horses he's backing. I don't really see him doing that, to be perfectly honest. I can see that there is a connection there you know, to, to um, the owner to some degree that people are trying to second guess what the fancied horses are going to be. But what happens every year is you end up having four false favourites. Horses who could easily be 25 yeah, to 1 yeah. shots, but because they've been punted yeah. in, in little Yankees or whatever all around the country, they end up, people go, ah, oh, this is the JP horse, and it automatically goes towards the head of the market. And some of them have good, good chances. Some of them are just absolutely terrible favourites. So just be wary of, of thinking because 10 days before the festival, there appears to be a gamble in a JP horse that won't take much money to cause that gamble, yeah. and it may well have very little substance to it. Um, I wouldn't say that's absolutely the case for the Chandra, but I do think he's got a lot more against him this year than he had last year. I wonder if JP's watching after just coming back from the betting shop saying, you, need, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, Rory. Uh, on then to the champion chase, where Shishkin is the 4-6 to six favourite ahead of Energamine at 7-2. to two. Chacun Poissois, 9-2, Nuba Negra, 10-1, Envoy Allen, 20-1, we put the kettle on, uh, and Funambul Savola, 33-1 uh, bar. And Andy Shishkin here, um, in a thrilling encounter, touched off an argument. Um, some said he looked beat, some said he was never in trouble, but the price at the moment, 4-6, is that a fair reflection, do you think, off the back of what we saw there, or is an going to be one of those, or, or Chacun Poissois, who goes into your... Your, your big uh, each way perm. I can certainly see that angle, yeah. Normally when you get a four to seven chance, um, and eight, 10 run a race, when there's only a handful that can possibly win, it, it normally would be a, a, a cracking option to, to go with Shaq and Paul Soir. Shame about obviously Nergamine having that little setback. I think that's one of the reasons why Shiskin shortened and, and Nergamine obviously now is a, a much bigger price. Yeah. 
Uh, there wasn't a great deal between them at Ascot, and yet, based on what we've seen here on the market, there should have been. It looks like there was a ten length difference between them. They obviously both had very hard races. You've got to bear that in mind. Will they recover in time? It was fifty odd days, so that should be fine. But you know, look what happened to Altior and, and surname um, back in the day. Um, but ultimately, I just think Shiskin's just a just a better horse. Um, he, he's proven around the track as well, which I think has got to be an advantage of some description because yeah. Nergamine has never run around Cheltenham um, and he's just got such a, an amazing engine isn't he Shiskin I think the better ground will, will help him as well there's parts of that race that Ascot he looked just a little bit laboured in the ground but ultimately his class came through once he got into top gear he ground down an Nergamine and he might have just broken Nergamine's heart uh, on that occasion um, but it's going to be a fascinating race race that I'll probably sit back and enjoy and watch rather than have a, a, a huge financial involvement. Um, Shame about Shaq and Paul Swaz record over the first two, the two times he's come over here. Um, whether you buy into that theory is obviously down to personal choice. We'll find out for certain with his running the champion chase this year because there's no excuses. Ground, coming in in unbelievably good nick. Mm. Obviously, Willie Mullins is still singing, singing him in, in a very glowing term. So... Um, he looks the obvious each way at 9-2, but I do think she's going to win. Um, similar to Alaho, I just think he's got that just extra level to go to that the others haven't. I asked Barry this. I mean, if Shishkin does win here, you know, where do you see him in, in terms of the, you know, the greats of the National Hunt game in recent times? Because you know, the, had his doubters at times, but you know, every question that's posed of him, he seems to come through it. Well, the thing is, we're looking back at a lot of the, a lot of the champions in previous years. They, they had laps of honour, really, in this race. Mm. You know, it was great to see Sprinter Sacras of this world and one or two others do what the odds suggested they would, but they didn't really have a lot to beat. Whereas, you know, Shiskin's proven himself. Well, Sprinter Sacra had to beat in Europe, and he beat them by big old margins as well. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I think Shiskin and Nergami, that that clash was was a bigger and much built-up clash than than we've seen. You know, with with Sprint yeah. to Sacra and size in Europe, in my in my opinion, um, and you know he's he, he, he's proven he's proven if he proves himself again over that horse and Shaq and Brossois, then um, I think we've you know we have got to put him right up there with the very best. But look, like I say, it's um, it's, it's conjecture, isn't it? Who's the best horse in, in the last 20, 10, 20 years? You know, it, it, it's almost an impossible que um, question to ask answer. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think she's going to win here, but um, will I back him at that price? Probably not, no. OK. Uh, uh, Rory, over to you for the champion chase now. I suppose I had to be slightly negative about Shishkin on the back of that. Um, it's worth pointing out what, how many horses he's beaten in his races. Um, I've had a theory about Shishkin, which, which won't be, probably won't be tested here, but three rivals, three rivals, four rivals, four rivals, three rivals, three rivals, three rivals in his entire chase career. Mm. So, you know, I, I, can't, I can't be having Shishkin at this stage being inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, having never faced more than four rivals in a race. Then I did say, oh, yeah. if, if he comes through this. If he comes through, but again, this, this, could, be a, this could be a four or five runner yeah, race as true. well, you know? Um, and that's, it's not his fault that, that um, they haven't come to, to face him. My view has always been since the, the Supreme, um, when he looked really vulnerable for a long way in that race, he lost his place coming down the hill. He made a bad mistake at the third hurdle. Uh, and bear in mind, the only time he's met um, biggish fields in his life, he fell at Newbury in a race that he was expected to, to run away with um, on his, um, his hurdles debut. And then he made that really bad mistake on the Supreme. Now, he's done really well to recover from that and win the race, but he did lose his place coming down the hill in a big field. And I think in a big field over fences, he could also lose his place because he hits a flat spot. Um, his jump is absolutely fine, but he can't, he's not going to jump his way out of trouble. He's a bit like Altior in that regard. You know, he's not going to make his ground up jumping. Um, he jumps safely and then he pars into, into overdrive late on, and that's his strength. But a horse like that is always potentially going to, um, going to find himself stuck in traffic in a big field. The problem we have is that we just don't have the depth of talent in this division to get a big field against him. So he's again going to have a smallish field here, and that means that he is... He is um, much the likeliest winner. The fact that I, I kind of see on neutral ground Shishkin versus a tag team 
of an argument and Shaq and Persuade as, as a, a straight fight. I see that as evens each or two. Um, this isn't quite neutral territory because Shishkin, of course, is proven at Cheltenham. He's won, he's won tw twice at the festival and an argument's not run at the track and is coming off a, a setback as well, um, which it seems, he seems to have recovered from very quickly, in fairness. Um, and, and the market has settled down as well. He did drift quite badly in the market and then came back into roughly the price he was before. And of course, Shaq and Poursois has got that exceptional form uh, at Leberstein and Punchestown, but hasn't shown it twice here. So this, doesn't, this feels like a home game for Shishkin. Um, so we're kind of into Asian handicap territory. It's half goal favourite. Uh, so he should get the job done. But I think, you know, as I said, in, um, he's not going to go to Punchestown, I wouldn't have thought. But if he went to Ireland and faced uh, Willie's battalions, I would, I would say that Willie might just have the, have the edge over him with the two of them. But of course, it's, you, know, you, you do have to have a tag team to match Shishkin, so you've got to give him credit for that. Um, interesting discussion I had with, um, I don't want to name drop here, but with Ruby Walsh on a, on a different podcast. Uh, he was of the opinion that um, although there wasn't much between um, Shishkin and Ergumen at Ascot, that was the first really hard race an Ergumen had had. And he said, you never know when a horse like him is winning easily, has a, even though he runs the race of his life and runs an absolutely massive race, because he's, he's headed close home and he knows he's been in a battle and he knows he's lost, that can have a massive effect on a horse. And you wouldn't back an Ergumen with confidence until you see that he's actually that the race has made a man of him. Yeah. And it works two ways. Uh, uh, you know, a great horse will, will get beat like, like Arkel did in, the, in his, <laughs> going, back to, going back to the early 60s, when Arkel was beaten in the, in the Hennessy by Millhouse, you know, he had excuses there, but it made a man of him. He was unbeatable from that point onwards. Whereas you also get horses who look like they're going to be world beaters, and the first time they go into a big fight, a head-to-head, -head, and they get beaten, it's just gone. But look at, look at um, uh, Envoy Allen. He, he hasn't, once he lost the race, he just didn't look the same horse at all. I know he's won a grade one. Last time I was the weakest grade one I've ever seen, it has to be said. So a lot of horses, when they face that battle, they curl up and go backwards. And a lot of them, they man up and they're even better. So that's what we need to see from an argument, whether he's the type who, who will man up. That's a bad expression to use these days, I know. Or whether he will, he will regress from that beating. And that's going to be really interesting to see. Absolutely going to be a fascinating tussle on Wednesday afternoon in the champion chase. Nogamine and Chacun Porsois taking on Shishkin. Uh, Nubanegra not just there to make up the numbers either at 10 to 1. On then to the cross country. And as I said to Barry, one of the moments of the festival last year, Tiger Roll returning to form and regaining his crown. 13 to 8 this time to do it. 92 SP last year. Delta Work 11 to 2. Uh, Prengard 13 to 2. Shady Operator 9 to 1. Midnight Maestro 10 to 1. Uh, Easy Sland, uh, 11 to 1, 12 to 1 bar. And, you know, Tiger Roll, form book goes out the window, Andy, uh, really, back uh, where he does his thing, unless it's the Grand National, and uh, plenty of money for, for him to come and do it again. Yeah, um, quite rightly, he's, he's commanded a lot of um, um, press cuttings, doesn't he, over the last few years, um, column inches, as I say, um, for... All the bad, all, all the wrong reasons in some respects. You know that weights and measures argument that um, his owner puts up is is, is laughable, really. Um, unfortunately, we won't see Tiger Roll trying to complete um, yeah. history at Aintree, but we we might at least get the second best, which is winning here at the festival, uh, which will be just as sweet. It made me laugh last year because you know he he looked lethargic and out of sorts. You think, oh, will he ever be the same Tiger Roll? All of a sudden. They're down at the start and he's like lightening up at the front. His, his ears were pricked. He, was, he, he couldn't wait. He was like a, you know, he's like a, um, a, a, a coursing dog, you know, waiting to run after the hare. Um, and as soon as the tape went up, he was off. It's, I think within the first half mile of the race, he kept thinking, he's, he got the race won. I'd love to see what the, the in-running betting was saying. It was soon, because you knew yeah. it was soon, isn't that? First, he was just on, literally, yeah. as I said, using that as an analogy, he was on the bunny all the way through the race. Never missed a beat, never looked like losing. You couldn't imagine any horse overtaking Tiger Roll. He was just totally and utterly the dominant force. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, they did exactly the same again. Oh, you what? If you're having a bet in this race, if Tiger Roll's lining up at the front and they, they mean business like they did last year, and he, he gets into that same rhythm, then um, 
I don't think I get anywhere near. That's in because obviously the, the, his previous run of the season when he ran at uh, at Cheltenham's was it the November meeting with the yeah. the first one, he looked. He looked really lethargic. Yeah, at the back. He didn't really want to go to the post. Never he, did, he, he, he didn't look like he wanted to set off. Yeah. And he was beaten really early in the race. Yeah. And you just saw an entirely different horse in March. Exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly what happened the, the race before. I think it was a nice, wasn't he? he? They were pleased with him, but you, think, you know, it, it just didn't look the old Tiger role. Um, but they come to you on them, you know, he, he, he just he gets lit up by the place, doesn't yeah. he? And. You know, despite his advancing years, I think he'll probably do it again. Well, Delta Work is the is the obvious one um, against him, but you know, there'll be a very strong stat that that um, you don't win this race without um, cross country experience. I think um, what's his name also in the same colours, um, Rivage Door, was a, a winner of this with. Um, with Davy Russell doing his steering, I think that was his first cross-country run. Um, he had gone back to point to points, but yeah, that was so. He's a horse who's won on cross-country debut. Generally speaking, you've got to have experience, and that's not hardly surprising, is it? It's, it's such a specialist um, thing. Delta Work strikes me as a type who could take to it, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure they. Not sure they want him spoiling yeah, the party, do they? Yeah. yeah. Um, but they've obviously they brought him over and they give him a go. And obviously, I think it's one of those scenarios where they might bring Tiger all over, and he'd be like. Don't fancy it anymore, and they know that he doesn't fancy it. But you know, once he arrives at the track, um, they'll, they'll have an idea uh, whether Tiger rolls up for it. But I, I've I've heard Gordon said the other day that um, he uh, he worked the other day and he was he felt like he was back to near his best. You know, he was absolutely delighted um, with how that had panned out. And, and obviously, the issue with Tiger roll we've seen in recent times is enthusiasm or a lack of it. Yeah. Um, and when he is when he is up for it, he's a very very hard horse to beat right here. And aside from that, it's just an awful race this year, isn't it? Um, the JP horses, you know, are both talented cross-country performers, but moving Eastland to John Joe seems like a strange move to me. John Joe doesn't exactly specialise in, in, in cross-country horses. Um, and two warm-ups over hurdles. I mean, he's, he's never run over hurdles before. I, I, well, he's gone back a hell of a long time until he did. I and mean, he's got very little form outside of cross-country races. He's been running in cross-country since he was... Since he was a juvenile, Easy's Land, and, and he's you know that that is all he does. Um, so you wouldn't expect him to run very well over hurdles, but at the same time, you know he hasn't even given himself a workout. He's run so badly, so it's hard to see him bouncing back to form. Also, he wants heavy ground, and they can't water the cross country course, and it may well end up being quite quick there. So that would be against Easy's Land, and um, uh, Prongard. Now he looks. He won the same race that Easy's Land won the same listed um, cross country race at Compiègne in November at the same age. But again, what, the, what JP did when he bought um, Easy's Land in the first place was left him where he was yeah. um, with David Cotan and let him get on with it. Moving Prongard halfway through the season and, and taking him to Ender Bolger, who's an exceptionally good trainer of cross-country horses, but was, is bound to have completely different methods of training as cross-country horses compared to David Cotan. I just think that was, a, that was a negative move and he ran appallingly on his prep, and I thought it was unlikely that he would make it to Cheltenham on the back of that. Interesting stuff there, analysing those who are going to be taking on Tiger Roll, but none with uh, seemingly you know, too positive a chance to, to really be taking on uh, the champ with. Uh, move on then to the penultimate race of the Wednesday preview, the Grand Annual Chase. Uh, two races left to do, and Buddy Rich is the 13-2 favourite, ahead of Embittered at 8-1. Amarillo Sky and Curse of Bleem, both 10 to 1. Time White, 12 to 1. Ferrero Bamboo, 12 to 1. Andy Dufresne, 14s with Sky Pirate as well. Uh, Before Midnight, an editor de Jeet and Dancing on My Own and Elixir de Nuts, all 16s. Plenty at 20 to 1 as well. Rory, over to you for the Grand Annual. I've backed one on this um, on the basis that I thought it was overpriced at 33 to 1. Um, I'm not sure if that's a current price about it because we just had confirmations. But I thought For Pleasure was interesting. Um, He's got, you know, you, you look at his form figures and he's fallen twice over fences this season and he was last of four last time out, but he's been, he's been taking on the best, mm. uh, essentially over two miles. He's a really enthusiastic front runner who, who, although he has two falls on his cart, he's fundamentally a very good jumper. He's just slightly too brave sometimes. He was, you know, he, he, he needed to throw in a big leap at the last when he was up against third time lucky at Doncaster. And he just, you know, it was a, it was a suicidal jump really, but... You know, he wanted to win the race, and he and you know he, he tried he tried his best to keep it, in and that's what saw him in the deck. He had a confidence booster then at Warwick last time out. I know he was beaten twenty lengths into fourth, but again, that was 
a third time lucky was in the race again. Uh, Edward Stone won that. It was a strong contest and he would have benefited from that just, just to get over the fall he'd taken on his previous start. He gets in here of a mark of 138. Again, you look through the history of the, of the Grand Annual and it's all about horses who get in here on, on decent weights. You know, um, very, it's got a remarkably strong trend towards um, horses who haven't won handicaps in the season, for example. Horses who, who tend to come here off, off a, a, a poor run of results or who've been racing a different sort of company or indeed novices generally. And I thought um, For Pleasure meets those criteria. Um, I, don't I don't think he's a standout as such in the race, but I didn't think he was a 33 to one shot because there are a lot of horses I, I wouldn't really want to have on my side in this race. This is, you've got to, you've got to you know, put your hand up and state it. This is, this is not a particularly strong handicap. Yeah. Everything that wants to get into the Grand Annual gets into the Grand Annual every year. So basically, you know, it's, it's just like any old handicap chase at, at, at any festival meeting. Um, it's got a, a range of, of horses in it in terms of ability and current form, and there are plenty you can put a line through. So I thought at 33 to one for a horse who's, um, who's been running better than form figures um, imply, and he might still improve over fences, and has the right run style. You definitely want to be on the pace in the, in the Grand Annual, especially now that it's moved to the old course. The new course, Paul Carvey could keep through from the back on, on, on Belvano, but even then it, it helped to be reasonably handy. But on the old course, very, very hard to come from off the pace. So I'd want to have something that can jump well off the front. And as I said, despite the fact that he looks like a dodgy jumper on the figures, I don't think he really is. I think he's, um, I think he's a pretty sound jumper on the whole, and um, I thought he was worth taking a chance with. Yeah, massive price, 33 to 1 for, for pleasure, uh, with a couple of firms as short as 16 to 1 uh, elsewhere there in the Grand Annual, uh, Andy. Yeah, a couple of interesting stats with kind of uh, ties up with what Roy was saying. Um, amazingly, um, in the last century, there's only been three winners with more than 12 chase runs. So that suggests you do want a um, up-and-coming young horse. But then on the flip side of that, only one novice has won this race um, since 2013. That's Chosen Mate. So it's kind of a contradictory in terms, isn't it, that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you want somewhere in between, ideally. Um, but the fact that the only novice to do it was trained by Gordon Elliott does pay homage to um, the chances of Buddy Rich, who um, chased home um, third-time Lucky Ireland of the season here at this track around the, um, the old course, so he had a bit of a sighter. And he's just been kept fresh, not ever since, he had a couple of runs. He got beat, actually, by Dun, um, Dunvegan at um, Punchestown, his last run, or was it Fairy House? When he looked like he was going to win, but I think the combination of lots of hard runs leading up to that probably just took his toll. So he raced predominantly in the autumn on the, on the better ground, uh, but he's been safe for this, and I guarantee he's going to be tuned up for it. I think one of the best handicapped horses in the race, but whether he's got the experience for it is, is open to question. He's Red Rookie. Yeah. Um, I've been waiting for this fella to um, <coughs> run for a little while, but he, he he's obviously had this festival in mind, or she has a big upon him, Emma Lavelle, with, with, with either the, the, um, the Grand Annual or, or, or the Arkle. Still in the Arkle, so the fact that she's still got him in, that suggests that she thinks he's up to that class. But he's only rated 137, uh, and he came out that race early in the season, which has chucked up a whole host of winners. We haven't seen the winner since Witness Protection, but not available, the third has won. And Murillo Sky's won three times. Can you call us one, the fifth horse? Brave Shieska was sixth, mm. who obviously took, took on Edward Stone the yeah. other day and is now rated in the 150s. Tokidoki was ninth as one, twice. Java Point was tenth as one. It, yeah. it was just a sensational yeah. early season novice chase that was run at a, a suicidal gallop. The, the odd thing about that as well is he, he wasn't particularly well placed the way no, he was no. as well. He was, he, was, um, back. he was almost ridden um, with a view to, you know, to getting a side yep. of his fences and getting a good experience first time out. I, I napped him that day and I was screaming at the telly from an early stage. I bet you Don't give the leaders that much rope for crying. And he's absolutely flown home. But he, he was favourite to beat Rachieska the next day at Ascon. He was going really well when he dived at the first one down the back and then he's, he hasn't run since Hereford since he, he beat um, a small select field. Again, when he had a stronger run race to run at. Yeah. So the, the, the pace of the race won't bother him. <clears throat> I think, like I say, I think he's, he's under the radar here with 138. Considering all the horses he's been running against, the Brave Sieskas of this world, Amarillo's guys, are now 140, 150. The, he's, he's really well in here. 
The worry with him for me, because he'd be on my shortlist as well, is that he's been ridden to creep into his races from mid-division, and that's, mm. that is not going to be easy in this race. No. Um, so he's going he's to be a hostage to fortune to a degree, but I'd agree that, you know, uh, as I said, I, I napped him first time up, and then, you know, I, I thought he should have won that race, and I was <coughs> kicking myself. Uh, I agree with Andy, he looked like he was going to win at the Haskett when he, when he tipped up, and he, he got a really confident ride at Hereford. He gave the, he gave the leaders plenty of rope, and, and Tom Bellamy rode him as if there were no doubts. Mm. Um, and he's, he's come through to win closely in the end. So I, I do like him, but if they ride him the same way here, where are the gaps going to come? That's my question. 20 to 1, either way, for seemingly a very well handy. Red Romney entry, he would bolt up in. Mm. There you I go. Hope, I hope they've got that. <laughs> if they've got that in their mind, I, I, that's because that, 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 I mean, that does suit those tactics a yeah, lot better. Not, not sure to run here either. So if that is the case, then they might, might turn up an entry in a few weeks' time. But 20 to 1, Red Rookie for the Grand Annual. Uh, on then to the final race of this Wednesday preview. It is a bumper champion bumper. Fasil Vega is the 11 to 10 favourite ahead of American Mike at 5 to 2. Redemption Day 6 to 1. James's Gate 12 to 1. Argesta 20 to 1. Poetic Music 25 to 1. Music Drive 25 to 1. Mullenberg 25 to 1. 33 to 1. Bar and Andy, you've said it once, twice, three times on this show. Um, not any normal year, American Mike Vassal Vega, um, we've been this doing cartwheels, but this time they have to come up against each other. Yeah, I think, I think um, Lionel Richie said that, didn't he? <laughs> Once, twice, three times, hello, the old, the old Commodores back yeah. in the day. Um, was, he, was he singing about <coughs> Vassal Vega? Well, it could apply to it, couldn't it? Um, yeah, he's poetry in motion, isn't he, Vassal Vega? I mean, wow, what a performance first time out on the clock. Uh, it was quite sensational, wasn't it, when you compare what he did to those good horses on that same car that day, up against Sir Gerard and all that. Um, left a good feel for dead. Um, and then he did it again, even, or just as easy the next time out. He actually didn't run fa as fast the second time, um, but um, it, was, it was just as, as, as silky. Um, but, I mean, it's hard to knock American Mike, what he's done as well. I mean, looking at our figures, we've got 65 for Fasel Vega, 65 for American Mike. They're both on identical time figures. Um, Where do you have Redemption Day? Oh, he's way behind. Really? He did a 48 the day that he won, which suggested that he went, they went very slow and he sprinted. So he might have looked visually good. Yeah. You think, whoa. But actually, when you crunch the numbers and look what he did, he, he's quickened off a slow pace. Whereas the other two, we know that they, they can handle a championship environment. So if you're back in Redemption Day, you run a huge risk of him being absolutely taken off his feet. Yeah. Because they, they, these two can, you know, turn it on and keep going. We don't know what... I mean, Redemption Day could, could well be he could doing that do it, as well. Yeah. You know, he could easily do it. He obviously came with a big home, repu home reputation when he turned up for that. And unusually for one ridden by Patrick Mullins in a bumper, mm. Patrick normally rides them to the line to get yeah. an idea of how they... He didn't ride this to the line. No. He's, he's not actually got after it in the finish at all. So it's very difficult to put a figure on Redemption Day and say how yeah. good he is. Um, that was an unsatisfactory race, um, all things considered. But he's got the reputation um, and you'd, you wouldn't want to be taking him on no. at, at the prices. But at the same time, <clears throat> if you're a serious punter, you don't know whether he's got much in hand of the, of the horses below him either. No. So he, he, it's, he's a hard horse to weigh up. He's a hard horse for me to back and, and, and select and, and push forward as well because of just pure numbers. Mm. Um, I'd rather go with the ones who run a championship time already coming into the festival. That's been a tried and trusted formula for me over the years. Um, I don't want any sputs or maybe's. I want to know. Exactly American Mike must done. be must be a good one for the for the each way multis, though, mustn't he? Absolutely, yeah. We've got another one here. What's, what's he to be? He must. Yeah. Be, he's tens on to he's be. Tens placed. on to be yeah. placed. He'll definitely be. Yeah. Look, they, they, I mean, they should pull well clear. Put them both in. Put them both in. Well, there's a whole, there's a horse in this race. I do think he's going to be forties on the day, 40, 50 to one. But if they bet four or five places, and we get enough runners. I'm definitely going to have a few good on Joyo Machine. Um, trained by Paul Nolan, who's had a really good season. He had 20 or 30 odd winners this season, Paul. Um, but he chased home Fasal Vega first time out. And he went through the race like a really good horse. Obviously, he was up against Fasal Vega, who's um, yeah. an, another level. Uh, but he was, in turn, he was well clear of the rest. Now, I'm not saying Joey Pichu's going to turn the format. I, I don't think he will. But he went on to win next time out. And he got all sorts of trouble that day. And he still managed to win. Yeah. But I do like the way he goes through his races. And he's the kind of horse that... I think he'll still be with them because he's already gone with Fasal Vega in yeah. a fast time. Yeah, yeah. He'll be bang there coming down the bottom of the hill. And if a lot of the horses who are just, oh God, what's, what's going on here, are completely in a culture shock, he won't be because he's run a fast he's, time. He's a big price, not because he's, people are comparing him to other horses with, with similar form to him. It's because 
he's been comprehensively beaten by the yeah, favourite. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. people go, right, well, that's the first horse you're rolling out. And yeah. that's, you should always try to rank the horses in order if, yeah. you, if you're making a book. Yeah, yeah. And he'd be a lot higher there than, than, he, than the market has him at the moment because it's just making that easy assumption. You cannot beat the favourite, therefore, you're lying through you. Whereas, you know, he's actually produced a very good speed figure himself and, and clearly um, he, he's, he's got the two runs behind him. He improved to win, well, he won second time out. Uh, he, he probably would have improved in a, in a truly run race. Mm. But yeah, I agree with that, he's interesting. I, I think he's a better horse than Seabank C Bistro, who's Paul Nolan's other horse. Yeah. And, and he's only a 25 to one shot. If you gave me a match bet there and you were going odds on Seabank C Bistro, I'd, I'd have everything on Julian Machine beating him. Uh, the other one I'll throw in in this, it's just an, unfortunately it's such a strong race. I think Rosie Redrum is a really, really nice mare yeah. um, in the making. I saw her um, up close at Newbury. No, no, he'll, he'll run her here. Okay. It's the uh, Mullen Beg is the one who won at the, uh, Cheltenham that, that, that Milton is going right? to. Uh, yes, he, she runs in the listed bumper at Sandown. Or the grid to whatever it is. He's, he's, well, he's, that's Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was that's what Milton's plan was. But even after she won at Cheltenham, he he said, oh, "I think she'll go to the interview because I've got one yeah, better. I've got one yeah. better at home." And that's Rosie Redrum. Now she was beaten in that good listed bumper at, at Newbury, which used to be a Grade Two, didn't it? Yeah. Um, it's been downgraded as a listed class. It maybe wasn't the strongest of races this year, but she was ridden out the back as she was on debut, and she won really nicely. She was given an awful lot to do by Mitch Bastian, and she flew home down the outside. The winner was right on the inside and hung towards the left as well. So she never actually saw him in the race. She finished off really strongly to be second. Looked like she was gonna get there with a furlong to run. She's better than the bare form. I went to see her after the race. It's always interesting to see horses after they've run and see whether they're, you know, whether they're looking like they've had a really hard race and didn't fancy it or whether they're, and she was, um, she was full of herself afterwards. She's quite a big filly and she's really well put together. Milton has gone on record saying she would, she'd be listed class at least on the flat. She's a better filly um, at home than, um, than Mullenbeg. And I think she's capable of hitting the frame. She has been, she's been talked up a little bit. She's, she, I think you get a bigger price on the day than you're getting at the moment. Um, but because she's a four-year-old filly, she gets, all, she gets in with 10 stone two. Mm. And I think because of the weight she's getting and the fact she's pretty forward physically, I think she'll run above herself and she could hit the frame. But it's, the, the front two are so strong that there's limited options um, for, for backing her reach weight. Maybe you'll have a market without the favourite and a market without the front two yeah. in this race as well, yeah. Yeah. in which she'd be reasonably interesting, as would the, uh, the Paul Nolan horse. Rosie Redrum, 40 to one as well, 240 to one shots there. To end Wednesday's preview, uh, thank you very much to both Andy and Ferroy for, for sharing their thoughts on the racing on Wednesday and on Tuesday. We'll be recording Thursday and Friday now, so do check the Odds Checker YouTube channel, subscribe there. And on any podcast app, you'll find all of our previews, plus plenty more content around all sports there too. Thank you to our sponsors, 888 Sport, and their ambassador, Barry Geraghty, for joining me and Andy earlier and sharing his thoughts on all four days as well. Fingers crossed for a cracking Wednesday of racing. Hopefully some good insight and a few winners in there as well. But as ever, please do gamble responsibly.